Hello, and welcome to the Making a Difference podcast. This project of the Partners in Excellence blog by Dave Brock equips you with audio articles, trainings, interviews, and other resources to help you transform your personal sales performance and your organization sales performance. How much time do you spend training your sales reps every week? An hour? Maybe two? Maybe zero? Tori Hornsby of Sharpshooter Marketing and Power Sports Marketing believes training sales reps for 45 minutes every day can result in tremendous transformations for your sales organization. How much growth are we talking about? Well over 25%. If you're curious about the exact percentage and how his team achieved it, listen to this interview. Also in this interview, Tori and Dave will discuss key performance indicators for business development teams, ensuring that appointments set are quality meetings. Tori will also discuss who to hire, his sales creed, how to prepare your sales team for common objections, and use the right words with prospects. My name is Christopher Fischella. I'm the content editor for the Making a Difference podcast. Let's listen to Dave Brock and Tori Hornsby's conversation about training for business development teams and sales teams in general. Hi, we're going to kind of go through some of the things that Tori's done and doing and some of just the, the really phenomenal results he's seeing as a result of that. So uh, it gives me great pleasure to welcome my good friend, uh, Tori Hornsby. Tori, welcome. Hey, thank you, Dave. It's a pleasure to be here and um, I'm excited about our time today too. And I loved our conversation. And even for me, you know, I'm a, I'm a big training guy. And so I love opportunities like this to speak because nobody learns more than the teacher, right? Tori, just kind of by way of, of introduction, if you can give a little bit of your background and a little bit of, you know, power sports marketing and sharpshooter marketing, what uh, what uh, the company's doing and, and that kind of thing, just to give our audience a bit of a context. Well, uh, my, my current uh, partner, he's the primary owner and president and founder of power sports marketing. His name is Rod Stuckey. Um, he had a four-store power sports dealership group, he and his family, that he was running, and I was actually recruited by he and his father uh, many years ago in, in the mid-90s and, uh, and started working in his dealerships. I worked my way up through the ranks there, and ultimately I was over the four stores, and uh, those stores weren't for sale, but ultimately, as the old saying goes, anything is for sale if the price is right. <laughs> so those stores were sold and, and, and bound by a non-compete, couldn't, uh, couldn't compete in the motorcycle industry anymore, but we didn't want to get outside of the industry that we love. So I still remember the day that, that Rod called me up and, and had this idea to bring e-learning to the motorcycle industry. And this was, you know, 2004. Uh, and we were very early and, and well ahead of our time. Uh, so we started making these e-learning courses, and we were just going to revolutionize the industry. And, you know, we, we had over 16,000 students go through our, our LMS and do training uh, within the motorcycle industry. Uh, so we were really excited about that. We worked with a lot of the major OEMs and a lot of dealers. But a, a spark happened as far as the, the transformation from what we were then known as, and, and we're still Dealership University, but that was the name of our business, and we, our, our core offering was training to dealers. But something that I don't share with a lot of people within the industry is that one of the things that we realized was we were selling uphill. And, and what I mean by that is, guess what the budget amount for 
training is on the average motorcycle dealership's balance sheet or, or, or budget. My guess is zero. it's probably close to zero, right? It, it, yeah, it's zero. And so, uh, but we were doing a lot of training on marketing, and we, we are students ourselves. We read a lot of books. Uh, we attend a lot of boot camps and training sessions, and we're always investing in, in ourselves, uh, sharpening the saw, as, as Stephen Covey and the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People would say. And so we were training dealers on how to do marketing, and ultimately they started coming to us and saying, this is great. Uh, how much to do it for us. And so it didn't take us long to say, okay, we can do that. And that, that launched Power Sports Marketing, which was 2009, which we've continued to grow uh, since then. But here we are now as, as Power Sports Marketing, and as we'll talk about some of the ways that we've grown today, we've now actually created a, a branch of our company called Sharpshooter Marketing. And Sharpshooter ties into marketing for us because we have targeted results. We, we go after people who fit a specific mold and most likely to respond and buy something from the client that we're uh, are representing and ultimately we hit them with a bunch of different media methods with a message that's really compelling and we measure the response and, and so we are power sports marketing and we are sharpshooter marketing outside of the industry because you know we, we, can't, we can't be power sports marketing if, if, we're, if we're talking to a you know, a, a, a butcher, a, you know, butcher shop or, or a shoe store or whatever, you know, they're, they're power sports. What does that have to do with me? So we're sharpshooter marketing as well. Power sports marketing and sharpshooter marketing. I mean, what you're doing is you're going out trying to find new clients and actually be practicing what you preach in terms of best practices of sales and marketing. Let's get into that a little bit, and, and maybe as a, a bit of a uh, kind of introduction, describe a little bit about the sales organization and kind of your primary method of, of how you go to market and how you find customers in, in the process of starting to acquire them. You know, we, we definitely practice what we preach in what I call fishing with multiple poles in the water. You know, somebody who's got one pole is not going to catch as many fish as somebody who's got ten poles. And so our, you know, core value system is that you have to go out and earn it and fight and scratch and claw uh, to earn business. And so, you know, I, I read books as of late, and it's never cold call again. And, you know, for nine ninety nine, buy this info marketing <laughs> package and you will get unlimited leads and and you know if, if, if it doesn't smell right it's not and so one of the first things that I would talk about as far as our sales organization is that from the top down we consider ourselves a selling organization we exist to sell and we believe heavily that the whole world operates because something is sold and every job especially in America every single job is paid for by the profits of a good or product or service being sold. Even even uh, you know government is paid for by taxes, which is from something being sold. If you go down the line, so we are a, a selling organization, and we believe that from the top down. And instead of sitting back and waiting for people to call us, the way that the structure of our company works is I have uh, business development reps, and mm -hmm. they are they are calling small businesses all day long. And they, you know, we, we quantify and measure, which we'll talk about a second in a second, 
the number of calls they make, the number of, of contacts, how many appointments they set, and what their set and, and what their kept appointment ratio is. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they they set appointments for our uh, inside sales reps and account executives. And the the inside sales rep position is you know we we believe in a a grow from within model, and so we're always training our our business development reps we call our BDRs right. to become the inside sales rep, ISRs, and once they hit a certain level and prove themselves, they can become an inside sales rep and then ultimately work their way to becoming an account executive. But it is a appointment set close model from a different person, which I know a lot of people are doing. But I guess the big difference is that uh, instead of sitting back and waiting for phones to ring or making a few calls here and there, they're making dials every every hour, every day, every week, and they are setting appointments to feed the business and to grow the business. So you have to go out and take it in, in, in today's world. Good. And you, you mentioned uh, just a little bit about the metrics. I mean, just give us kind of a rough range of, you know, a typical BDR, how many, you know, calls they're making a, a, a day, the kind of yields they get and, and so on and so forth. So uh, that's one thing that we're always looking to improve. But my uh, my BDRs range from, you know, 60 to 80 dials a day, mm-hmm. 10 to 20 on a high side contacts a day, and typically probably about an average of about three appointments a day, sometimes more, sometimes a little less. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. about, you know, taking it, taking it from that, step forward, uh, setting an appointment at the, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter how many appointments you set. All that really matters is what you what appointments are kept. Right. And so, uh, so whenever our account executives hold the meeting, that's when our BDRs, they earn a point. And, and so we have a BDR of the week, uh, competition and there's a first place and a second place and they win a little money and then one of them wins BDR of the month based on the number of points they get, but they earn points with those kept appointments. And the other thing that we're quantifying in, in our CRM is salesforce.com is there's a, there's a little check mark whenever, they, whenever the account executive holds the meeting that the BDR set. And if it's not a qualified uh, business or it's not a decision maker, sorry, you don't get that point and it, it doesn't count. Uh, so we only meet with decision makers, and uh, so that that game system of earning a point and putting that on stage and, and recognizing them every morning for the points that they've won and winning a little money at the end of the week uh, makes them strive to set appointments. Not with, you know, you can, for instance, you can call a motorcycle dealership and set appointment with uh, a, a marketing manager all day long, and they can yeah. tell you no, but they can't tell you yes. Yeah. So you're wasting your time doing that. Yeah, I think that's right. really a critical thing is trying to put that, you know, is this the right meeting? Is it a quality meeting? So I like that little checkbox that you've incorporated in there to make sure, one, you're not just only hitting the numbers and getting meetings, but you're getting the right kinds of meetings with the right kinds of people. Right, and we look at those numbers from dials to contacts to appointment set, appointment kept, and then we also track, even from a BDR perspective, they get points 
whenever they've set an appointment that leads to business. If it's closed one, uh, mm -hmm. they earn points for that as well. And some people would say, yeah, but they don't impact whether that actually close, closes. You know, the account executive and the inside sales rep does that. And while that's true, they are setting the appointment. And there's a, there's a good way to set appointments, and it's the harder way. And there's a, a bad way to set appointments of just let me just get a time for us to meet, no big deal. I'm not going to do my due diligence because all I care about is if the appointment holds. I don't really care if it closes. And so the good way to do it is to incentivize them whenever the business closes at least a little bit. And uh, we do that, again, through double points. For every, every $1,000 worth of business they bring in, they get two points. And so that, that starts to add up, and they start really caring because it can be the difference between them getting BDR of the week or, or BDR of the month, and the double points really helps us with that. Well, and I think it's also important, too, because it, it gets them tied into the whole you know, kind of the closed loop process. So as they start seeing, you know, these are the types of calls that end up in kept appointments with quality calls, but then end up translating into business, you know, it, it feeds back to them, you know, doing the right job when they're cold calling and prospecting and, and asking questions and trying to find the right types of people that uh, your inside sales folks are, are talking to. So I think that, I think That's following right. that whole closed loop thing is really powerful. Great. Great. Well, you've done some, you know, I think what stimulated this call is you've done some just to me, some stunning things about building the sales skills and building the capabilities of the entire sales team. I mean, things you've made, uh, and I'll give it away a little bit, but some investments in training these people that I think, you know, most people from the outside would look at and say, how the hell can they afford to do these things uh, in training and do it as, with the frequency that you have? Uh, could you describe a little bit of, of kind of your approach to training and developing the skills of the entire sales team? Yes. The first thing uh, that we're careful to do uh, is, is hire a high caliber of, of pe people, and that's, it's hard. That's, that's probably the hardest thing that, that I face is finding good people who aren't just looking for a job or looking for a paycheck, uh, finding people who want to escalate and want to care. And so if, if you hire people who don't care, you can sabotage the, the whole system that we're about to talk about because they don't care. So you have to hire people who have that, you know, that want. I'll start with, with that just as a baseline. That's the foundation. But whenever somebody starts with us, you know, they're given a job description, and uh, we, we give them the job description whenever they interview and talk about that, and then we give them job description when they start. And then, you know, a week, two weeks after they've been here, we're looking at that job description going, this is what you're doing. How are you doing with this? Mm -hmm. So we've, we've outlined that. But we also, when they start, we go through uh, some attitude training. We go through the seven habits of highly effective people with all of our uh, staff members, every one of our new hires on the sales side. I spend a day with them doing what I call selling by Tory. It, it's just a culmination <laughs> of, it's a culmination of, of, you know, Dale Carnegie and Jay Douglas Edwards and Stephen uh, Covey and uh, how to master the art of selling anything uh, 
Tom Hopkins and, and Brian Tracy attitude uh, uh, psychology of selling. And so we, we, I've put all of that into kind of a, almost a day type of uh, training seminar. And that gets their mindset in, in the right area. But as you and I know, Dave, the average person retains maybe 5%, 10% if you're lucky, yeah. of what you teach them in, in that kind of setting. And so we utilize a tool. And if there's one thing that I think that business owners and, and training people out there need to understand is that just because you've covered it with them, you've given it to them, you've sent them an email, they don't get it. And the one tool that needs to be utilized more by business owners is what I call the tool of repetitive communication over and over and over. So every morning we start our day with the start your engines meeting and it, it takes 45 minutes. And I've, I've done the math on that and with the currently I've got nine, uh, we're a little low. We will probably have 11 in, in January and February heading into spring, maybe even 12. But even with the nine people that I have on the sales side of our organization, that's 145 hours a month that I'm paying people to sit and what a lot of people would call do nothing. But what I look at is you mentioned that word invest. So I'm, I'm investing a lot of money every day, every week, every month in making sure that these guys understand the importance of training. So our start your engines meeting or what we call SYEM, the acronym, um, happens every single morning. And uh, we, we cover uh, a celebration of, of top calls. For instance, I'll look at my agenda today. Uh, Monday's our sales meeting, so it's a little longer. But we start out with uh, you get to share your top call from Friday on a, on a Monday, the day before, uh, if you had money in, if you made a sale. You get to congratulations, you made a sale, you got money in, share your top call. So you get to be on stage. Mm -hmm. um, we move from that into what we call uh, an acronym. We're a company of acronyms, but WGMGD, <laughs> which is what gets measured gets done. And uh, a lot of people mistake that and say, what's good is Miller Genuine Draft. But that's not what it stands for. It's what gets measured gets done. And, and that's where we go through the numbers. And every single day, we have each of our sales guys say, what is your goal? Where are you at currently? Um, and, and hey, you're going to hit it. Are you going to hit it? And we lay, out, we lay out the plan to hit it in one-on-ones every week with our sales director. So he covers that separately than our Start Your Engines meeting. But we announce on stage what their goal is, and they say it every single day. They say what their goal is. And that repetitive communication is one of the secrets of our success. And then we move on to, to that, and we talk about our sales creed. And our sales creed has four steps. It's number one, we talk to decision makers. Number two, we focus on the system of touching buying base and marketing 52 to 104 times, not just a one and done scenario. Because one and done is no good for us, it's no good for our clients, it's no good for the consumers they're marketing to. So we focus on 52 to 104 touches a year, which we practice to our clients, by the way. The third part of our sales creed is we follow up with open opportunities because that's the only way that we'll ever get new business is with follow-up because you hardly ever have a, a one-call close. And number four, uh, follow-up with existing clients equals 
new business as well or additional business. Uh, so, so that's our sales creed. Then we, we move from there and we talk about our sales bulletins, which we're going to talk about that in a second. I know that you mentioned you wanted to spend a little bit of time on that. And then we, we go from that into role play. Let me interrupt for just a moment and go back to the sales creed and the four points here. How in your meeting is it is it just kind of reminding people of this or or what kind of exercise do you do to really reinforce the sales creed on a daily basis? So the, the sales creed is one of the things that we actually only cover on Monday. Okay. And uh, and what I do is is I I put I, I call out to the team. I'll, I'll say, hey, you know, uh, John Ambule, what's the first part of our sales creed? And then he'll say what it is, and then I'll say, why is that important? And then he'll say what it is. And a lot of times every week they're saying basically the same thing, and, and I don't mind that. I, I, I know that uh, some people in sales, they're looking, you know, we're looking for these bright, shiny objects. And, and it's, oh, flashy, squirrel, over here, folk, over here, look over here. Oh, we got to try this now. Yeah. Sales 2.0, the new system. And so what we do is we break it down to very, you know, the KISS, keep it simple, stupid philosophy. And, and I call on a person and I say, what's, the, what's number one in our sales creed? And they say it and they tell us why it's important. And every week you go, does that get old? You've done that for, you know, over three years. Doesn't it get old? Uh, no, it doesn't. And these guys know. Whenever they're doing something that's incorrect, and, and I, I can call up, which this doesn't happen too much, believe it or not. When I call up a, a, a BDR or I have them in my office and I say, hey, so this call where you called ABC Business, do you see the challenge here? They hang their head down and they go, yep, not a decision maker. Yeah, I think they, that I, they I, I don't want to go off that too quickly because I think this whole concept, and I know you're going to be touching on it through, you know, through this discussion is this repetitive communication. I mean, what you're doing is really getting them, even through just saying the same words week after week, to really internalize this. And it, it starts becoming muscle memory to them. Right. And I call that culture. Um, yep. that, that muscle memory, that, that it's the culture. Man, we protect our culture uh, like nothing else. And I want this to be a fun, intense place to work that gives everybody the tools they need to be successful. And when we have had turnover, uh, you know, Dave, it, it, people, people sit down when they're leaving and go, man, I can't tell you how you guys have, have done everything right. And when I've even had to let people go, when I've had to fire people, same thing. Um, yeah, hey man, I've had people, when I've fired people, I've had them apologize. They're apologizing that I'm, that I'm firing them. <laughs> and, and then I run into people who have left, you know, at Zaxby's just last week, um, a guy who was young and out of college and he was going to conquer the world. And he, you know, we, we train people up and make them better, which makes us vulnerable to have people leave. And I don't, I don't mind that. I don't want that to happen, but I'm, you know, what's the only thing worse than training somebody and they quit? Not training them and they stay. Exactly. Exactly. Good. So he comes I'll... up to me in Zaxby's and shares how he's worked for two other companies since he left here. And, and he can't believe that, you know, this 
small company compared to the other companies that he's worked for is so much better at, at all of these things we're discussing. Well, and again, the thing that's going through my mind right now, and we have a lot more of the story to go through, is you're you're talking about just the fundamentals. You start with the right people, you onboard them, you invest in developing their skills, make sure they're very clear about what their responsibilities are, and continually invest and reinforce in that repetitive communication and building that culture of of consistency over time you know there's you know it's not rocket science but it's it's profound in how it works well the i think the difference too uh is you know one of the things i've learned over the years is instead of getting fancy and doing a really crappy job at implementing just make sure that you do something you can implement and implement well become a master at at the basics and you'll find that you are better than 99% of the people out there. Yep. Don't get fancy. Yep. But so we or, or were, were there any other questions about no, the sales no. speed or the repetition of that? No, no, I appreciate you spending a little bit more time on that. Oh, my pleasure. Right. So the the sales bulletins, we we put everything I'll, I'll circle back here uh, we put everything into writing, and and we uh, we have a saying that kind of it comes from the military, and it's a it's a Georgia slang uh, type of term, but it's if it ain't in writing, it ain't. <laughs> so we we say that a lot because uh, there's too many ways that two people can miscommunicate, and putting it in an email is too informal. Leaving it on a voicemail won't work. Having a one-on-one -on -one with somebody and just saying it won't work. It has to be in writing. It's like goals. A goal that's not written down is nothing but a wish. It's not a real goal. Yep. And so you have to write this stuff down. And and, and so our sales bulletins, you know, for instance, um, we had a, a, a challenge with the way that we do business with, with campaigns is, is we work two weeks out, three weeks out. And so we were uh, – selling our marketing campaigns with direct mail on this big program and then at the end of the month it didn't get collected as far as paid for and so it was being moved from the month and so our 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 numbers at the end of the month were, were going down and so as we picked up on this we said okay we created a program and called it you know basically fringe dates and 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 outline this but we had to do it sales bulletin in writing we have all of our guys as they do screen shares from join.me, go to powersportsmarketing.com or sharpshootermarketing.com uh, to have the person click the join.me. It's at the top of the website. And the reason we do that is twofold. Number one, you'd be amazed at how many ways somebody can butcher typing in join.me, uh, join.me.com, join me. Uh, it's, it's crazy. But they can type in power sports marketing or sharpshooter marketing easier. The second reason is we, whenever somebody visits our website, we utilize remarketing or retargeting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So as they go around to YouTube and CNN and weather.com and Fox News and all these other sites, our ads show up because they visited our site. So every yep. time we do a presentation with somebody, they go to our website to launch the meeting, and now we're following them with, with retargeting. So that's a so so those those sales bulletins were were there's hundreds of them. We do probably an average of 
one to two a week for different things. And they print these out and they put them in their 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 uh, binder that you mentioned earlier, the Million Dollar Club binder. And there's a section for that, and they print it out and they put it in there. And uh, and we we hit it uh, every single day or every other day. We hit it for four weeks. And you go, well, man, that's a long time to, to talk about the same thing. Doesn't that get boring? I don't care if they think it's boring. What I've identified is that that's the only way it ever sticks. Yep. So I have to cover this for four weeks, this sales bulletin, on our at least every Monday and typically at least two other times throughout the week where we look at past sales bulletins. And what I've determined is that I can shape the way that people operate with use, using the tool of competitive, or excuse me, repetitive communication if I'll just tell them what I want them to do, put it in writing, and cover it to the point of absurdity, it changes. Yep. Yep. Well, and so I that, think that's, that's a lot of the helpful. mistake that we make in training. And you mentioned it earlier on is, you know, people go to the, the big event training class and then they go back and do their jobs. And there's never any kind of reinforcement, never any kind of repetition. So it's foolish for us to think that they're developing any kind of skill or competency around that. Um, or in a sales meeting, a manager might say, this is our top priority. These are the top things you ought to be doing. And then, you know, the next week it changes to something else. So you know, sales people naturally get confused. They don't internalize this stuff. They don't build any any competency, any skill. They don't understand the priorities and the focus. And so as a result, it's, it's no wonder they don't produce results. That's right. And, and I think the next step of that goes in, into the role play. And uh, we role play to the point of absurdity as well. We write out exactly what we want people to say as a guideline. If they get off a little bit, we don't matter. Uh, we don't care that much. It doesn't matter um, as long as they're staying on the point. But I've written down about 12 ways that people give us objections when we're trying to set a meeting with them. Mm -hmm. Think of one, if somebody called you and was setting a marketing meeting you know, for you and you're running a small business, what's something that, that you might tell them? They just don't have the time or budget to do this. I've, I've got, I don't have time, and I've got, I don't have the budget. I've also got, I'm not interested. I've also got, you need to meet with my marketing manager because we're not going for them, we're going for the owner. Uh, yep. What's this all about? Tell me more. Um, I've got, hey, it's fall. We cut back when it gets cold. It's spring and summer. We cut back when it gets warm. Corporate does all of our marketing. I've got, send me some more information. I'm too busy right now. We're working with someone else. We already have another ad agency. Uh, my budget is planned out. Uh, I've, I've got all of these. And, and that's the other thing that I, I, that I think it's important that anyone listening to this understands that you have to write out what you want them to say, and it's hard. And when we first started this, there were three. We wrote out a basic script on how to get the decision maker on the phone, and then there were three main objections that we heard. And then we started getting you know, other ones. Well, this guy said this because we meet every day uh, in, a, in a Start Your Engines meeting, and one of our BDRs or account executives would say, hey, this guy just said corporate handles all of his marketing, and I was like a deer in a headlight. I, I didn't know what to say. Yeah. Well, we can work on that. And then we roll it out, 
and we role play it and, and we go around the horn and we say, hey, you know, Elena, right, somebody at corporate handles all of our marketing, but thanks for your call. And then it's her turn to do it. Hey, Kelly, somebody at corporate handles our marketing, thank you for calling. Hey, you're wasting your time, corporate handles our marketing, uh, Chris. And we give everybody the opportunity to role play that to the point of absurdity. We'll do it for multiple days. Uh, this script hasn't changed much lately, and we're still role playing it. Yep, yep. So, I mean, there are a couple of things in there that you're saying that, that I think I really want to make sure people get is, is one is, is, you know, writing things down, you know, scripting this out, whether you're doing it or whether the people are doing it for themselves. I think, you know, again, I, I believe in the act of, of writing something down because because you start inter you start thinking about it and you start internalizing it. Two is this thing about role plays. I don't know how many meetings I get in where people will talk about an issue. You know, for instance, talk about one of the objections that you just used as an example. And, um, and they'll talk about it and talk about handling it. But when you ask them to, to role play it and the words actually come out of their mouths, the words never come out right. And Never. And, never. And, and so that's why I think role playing is so important and so underappreciated is it's not that we know the right way to handle a, a situation. It's that those words don't come out of our mouths naturally unless we start practicing them. That's and I right. think the repetition and of doing that, you know, in a role play in a, a safe environment. And I think that the power of doing that in front of your peers because each person is going to have a slightly different way of handling it and we learn from each other that way. Yep and so we'll, we'll start out with an open discussion like that and before we actually just to be clear before we role play it um, we typically write it out so we'll talk about it and hey what did you say hey John in that situation what would you do Hey, Eric, what would you do in that situation? Okay, this is good feedback, guys. We'll add it to the script and we'll role play it tomorrow. And then mm -hmm. after the call, we write out the response and now everybody knows what to say. And then every time somebody has something where uh, it really worked for them or uh, it didn't work for them or they had another a challenge, this is a fluid document. It has been for, for six years, it's been a fluid document. And it hasn't changed, just to be clear, it hasn't changed since May of 2015, but before that point, I mean, this thing's changed a countless number of times. Mm -hmm. So then we, we end out after the role playing, we, everybody tells what appointments and presentations they have for the day to make sure that they understand when, when and, and, and what their appointments are. And the reason we added that was we were calling appointments late and we missed a couple of appointments because oh I, I didn't realize or miscommunication so every morning we cover what's on today's plate uh, in terms of appointments and uh, and then we end it with the sales strategy of the day and this this is uh, this can be from there's a uh, 365 selling techniques by Dave Anderson or uh, what we're on right now is uh, Jeffrey Gittimer's Little Red Book of Selling which by the way uh, you want a book to get you fired up, this is it. In fact, <laughs> uh, the beginning of it, it's, it's called the little red book of selling. The beginning of it is so good, I'm going to open my office door here. And what I've got on my wall, uh, that, that and, and Rod made this happen, 
but there's a vinyl lettering on our wall, and it says, why the color red? Red's the color of passion. Passion is the fulcrum point of selling. No passion, no sales. Red is the color of love. If you don't love what you sell, go sell something else. Red is the brightest color. You must be bright in order to convert selling into buying. Red is the most visible color. You must be visible to your customers with a value message, not just a sales pitch. And red is fire. And if you're not on fire, you're going to lose to someone who is. <laughs> that's on our that's that's on our wall. That came from this little red book of selling. Awesome. So that that's what it, that's what it looks like on average, and uh, and uh, you know every Thursday. So so the way that the structure of these works is I lead the one on Monday, the sales meeting. Mm-hmm. Our sales director leads uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, and then on Thursday. All of our account executives and ISRs, we want to become leaders and be comfortable leading. So it's their time to lead the meeting, and we round robin that. They, you know, every every week it switches in a cycle to the next account mm-hmm. executive or ISR, and then they they have some some flexibility to not follow the agenda that I use or that that our sales director Eric Pedretti uses. Um, they can. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, you know, for instance, two weeks ago, our uh, account executive Bill uh, created a Jeopardy game, and he took product knowledge, and he created a you know a, a, a category for one through five hundred points, uh, you know five of those, and and he teamed up an account executive and a BDR, and if the BDR, who is the more entry level position, got the answer right, it was double points, and if the account executive answered it, it was just regular uh, points. And it was so much fun. It was edutainment. It was education yep. and entertainment and product knowledge together. And we had fun and we built, you know, teamwork and everybody was getting, you know, fired up about, you know, answers and, you know, it was a lot of fun. And the whole meeting was that. And then it ended with today's presentations and, and the sales strategy of the day. So that mm-hmm. meeting it's 150 hours a month worth of work time, and if, if you did, you know, uh, even just going $15 an hour, 150 hours times $15 an hour, um, at least spending, and, and that this is way under uh, cutting what the cost is, but I'm spending at least mid $2,000 a month just, just in entry-level payroll not to mention all of my account executives who make more money, and not to mention what people would argue, yeah, but that's 150 hours that they could be selling something, so you're losing out on the work that they could be doing to make sales. Right. And my point, as we talked about last week, you know, was that I, I don't, it's not just that I want them to work eight hours a day, I would rather them work six hours a day more efficiently and more productively and get a heck of a lot more uh, sales and value out of six hours than just cracking a whip and saying, do something for eight hours. Well, that's what struck me in our conversation last week is, I mean, the results that you produce are so compelling that you can't afford not to do this. Yes. Well, I mean, without revealing anything confidential, what 
you know, what kind of results, you know, since you've been doing this, what kind of results are you seeing both kind of quantitatively and qualitatively? Um, well, the, the sales, uh, you know, growth, I'll tell you this year that we're up over 39%. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, that's, there's something that Dan Kennedy, who, who we follow, he's a direct response marketing guru. I call him the godfather of direct response marketing. He has a, a, a session that Rod and I went to years ago called The Phenomenon. And it's basically what happens whenever the years and years of, of stuff that you've been doing right causes you to experience growth that is uncharacteristic of uh, what a normal business would get. It's like an overnight success. There's no such thing as an overnight yeah. success. For every overnight success, you, you don't see 10 years of blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah. And so um, we've had consistent growth, uh, you know, over, I can say, every year, well over 15%. But now we're at a year where it, the, more, the more the dollars get, the harder it is to continue in that, right? Yeah. And so this year being at 39%, is a direct culmination of just uh, sticking with the basics and, and doing this this uh, start your engines meeting every day when it to most people just is a big waste and doesn't make sense. Well, and the point that that I think you made last week that I, I really want to reemphasize is if you stop doing this, the productivity and the effectiveness of your people will go down so much that whatever time you pick up, you know, from not spending this 45 minutes, you've lost it in terms of results that they produce. That's right. And the results of, of not doing this for a few days would make a difference a month from now. The result of not doing this like for a month and, and not continuing, I'd, I'd stretch to say that we would be back down to less than 10 people in our total organization instead of 30. Yeah. Because, because it, if you just let people, you know, people, high-performing people want to perform. But you know they perform better with a coach. That's why in fitness, if you go work out, you'll never work out as much as you do when there's a personal trainer or you're working out with a buddy. So when you get together and you share these numbers and you shed light, you expose, uh, you know, the goals of the company and what everybody is, is expected to do and their own personal goals and you look at them every day, it has a way of, uh, it has the personal trainer effect. Well, the other thing too, and and I like this about both in when you talked about the the structure of the meeting, when you kind of, sh you know, you celebrate what you've accomplished, but you also share your goals, and you end up the meeting with you know kind of sharing, you know, what are your appointments for uh, for the day? Is you're committing yourself in front of your your peers. Uh, of what you're trying to accomplish. And, you know, I think declaring yourself like that is very, very powerful. It really drives a real strong incentive to, to um, uh, make good on your word. Yes. Outstanding. It does. Good. Yeah, I was just going through, after we did our conversation, you know how I was just blown away by the uh, commitment you've made with this. I mean, 45 minutes every day, 
you know, of, of your salespeople's time, your sales director's time, your time. That's a huge, huge cost. And I was looking at it, you know, just saying on average, you know, let's look at a, a, a 10 hour workday. And, you know, you have probably about 90 minutes at least in terms of lunches and bathroom breaks and things like that. So you're down to probably about 450 productive minutes uh, uh, a day. And you're taking 10 percent of that. And that's in the very best case. That's assuming people are perfectly productive, you know, when they're sitting at their desks and on the phone. And we know that they're probably productive, maybe if we're lucky, half the time. So the investment that you're making is is huge in the context of time. But, you know, the results that 39 percent year to year growth is something that, you know, is just amazing and not many organizations can point to that in the simple approach that you've taken about you know investing every day reinforcing the same thing week after week after week you know building that culture building that muscle memory um, is just it's again it's it's common sense but it's not very common these days in most organizations it it isn't common, and you know that's the thing that uh, you know I I, I talk to people, uh, friends, and even family members who uh, have businesses or run businesses or in leadership positions, and and they just they they don't get it. They don't understand uh, the the power of the simplicity of this. You know, there's got to yeah. be some kind of six sigma, uh, you know. There's got to be some, and, and I'm not I'm not bashing all of the programs that are out there, but it, it, if if you can, if you know how a business, what it takes to run a successful business, and you hold your people accountable to do it, and you show them uh, that you mean business by doing it every single day, and then looking at yesterday's results and holding them accountable to hit certain things, it, you know it, it it's amazing that the difference that 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 makes. And another thing that we that we quantify that I didn't mention is talk time. And that, that's how many hours they're on the phone. And that this is something that I battle with. So if if they're here and some of my guys work remotely, uh, and and like you mentioned, ten hours is probably a little more uh, realistic for some of my account executives and whatnot. But for our BDRs, they work an eight hour shift. And so yep. an hour of that is you know start your engines meeting and every day 45 minutes but you know then they got to get a cup of coffee and go to the bathroom right. and and I try to get those first calls done fast so an hour of that is done so now there's seven hours and then there's bathroom and stuff so you can take 30 minutes away now there's six and a half and and I go you know what I, I feel like it should be realistic that of the six and a half hours that we're always on the phone for over four hours a day mm -hmm. but I, I can't get them to do that and when I do get them to get over four hours a day Sometimes the quality of our of our 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 appointments go down, and so I found that you know whenever they dip below three hours, they need to be more productive. And whenever they're in that three and a half hour you know talk time, not including any meetings or anything, because we have remote people, so our our morning meetings are over phone and screen share. Join me. Yeah. Uh, so uh, so so that that's another thing that you know it's it's I'm always going. There's six and a half hours here, 
at least. There's seven, not including any kind of breaks or bathroom. For, you know, for four of that, you can be talking. That's three hours to do research. That's three hours to go to the bathroom. That's three hours for all that other stuff. And sometimes, you know, they're at they're at two and a half, and I'm just, you know, I want to get, I, I get frustrated sometimes, but I have to, <laughs> you know, I have to sit back and just go, let, let's see how the how the week shapes out. So I want to look at the and measure these numbers daily, but let's see the trending of, of, of the week. And whenever somebody gets below three, they know it because on the morning call, we look at a Google Doc, a spreadsheet, and everybody's numbers are exposed. And so yeah. when we go through there, it'll, it'll, we'll do a call out. Hey, Elise, what, two, two and a half hours? I mean, what, what were you on vacation yesterday or something? And then everybody dogs her out for a second. It's good fun. We have a lot of fun. But what, what, what that results in is Elise going, I don't want that to happen again. <laughs> exactly, exactly. She doesn't want to be on the her. list the next day. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it's not shame, but it's, it's good fun poking. You've learned, my guess is you've learned a lot over the process of doing this. Is there anything you'd change or anything you would do differently? You know, Dave, that's a good question. Um, and, you know, my answer to that would be when there's something different that we want to do, this is so not set in stone that we just change it. And so there, yeah. there have been a hundred of those things that over the years we've just changed. And that's what, that's what I want people maybe to understand who are listening to this is that when you start doing this, it's, not, it's like the first time you rode a bike. You go 10 feet and you fall over. You don't kick the bike to the side and go, bikes don't work. They don't work for me. My, my business is different. I hear that so much. Oh, our, our industry is different. Our business is different. And, and it's not. This is principle-based uh, stuff that we're talking about here. So when you have your first meetings and you do role play, they are going to be a big fail. They're going to be catastrophically awful. But you've got to keep on keeping on because they get better and they get better and they get better. And before you know it, you've got a 39% growth and you've got a professional sales team. You've got people who know how to answer the phone, people who know how to make outbound calls, set appointments, close deals, handle objections, and get the money in. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Tori, I, you know, I've learned so much. You've had, you know, the stuff of probably four or five more interviews in this and a lot of blog posts that I'm going to write. I really appreciate the time. Um, anything in terms of promotion or anything in terms of reaching, reaching you that you'd like to leave us with? Um, sure. Um, we have, two digital print presses, uh, which enables us to do variable printing so we can make every card on one run different based on data. Uh, you know, so for instance, we can, we can put the customer's name all over the card. We can, uh, for our direct mail, we can spell their names in clouds. We can spell their name on a beach looking like somebody wrote it with right. a stick. Um, and uh, we love that. We, we love that capability. We now have two of those printers, and I'm always looking to have a reason to use them 24-7. <laughs> so if anybody would like some direct mail, we have a, we have a staff of awesome uh, four graphic artists who know how to do direct response marketing. We do email campaigns. We do calling campaigns. Um, we also have a digital solution where we grow online reviews. 
which this is now we're, we're moving from the recommendation age into the or excuse me from the information age into the recommendation age and everybody goes online for food or hotel or make any kind of purchase they look online the majority of people do before they buy and they look at other people's reviews and we are ninjas <laughs> at growing good online reviews and also managing digital marketing from Google AdWords uh, to uh, remarketing campaigns and display advertising campaigns. So I would love to to talk with anybody more about that. And the way they can get in touch with me is uh, is just to call one eight seven seven two four two four four seven two. And uh, whenever somebody answers, just ask for Tori. Again, that's eight seven seven two four two four four seven two extension 101 and if they have any questions social media any anything like that call me I love talking about this stuff I'm so passionate about business running a business and marketing uh, and I, as just like this call right here I love talking about this stuff well it's I mean Tari your, your passion really comes through and then the results you know from your thoughtfulness and kind of putting this together, you know, is, is evident. And I guess the final thing is I've been kind of a, a customer and collaborator of yours uh, for years. And I, I can tell everybody listening, you guys practice what you preach. Whenever I need help or need a pro have a problem, uh, you know, you're on the phone working with me and helping me. And, and so you, uh, you're a great example for what the whole organization does. Thanks so much, Tori. I really appreciate this time. I've enjoyed it too, uh, Dave, and I look forward to uh, talking with you and anyone who wants to call off of your the podcast or off of your blog in the future. Thanks, Tori. Thanks, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the session. This was really probably one of, I think, the most important conversations I've had in some time. It is basics. It's about getting the right people. It's about onboarding them. It's about establishing the right culture and the discipline and reinforcing that constantly, you know, day in, day out in establishing that environment where people, you give people the chance to perform to their potential and keep recognizing that and building their skills and capabilities. Thanks everyone. I really appreciate you joining us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Making a Difference podcast. The background music, Crushin', appears courtesy of Jason Shaw. You can find more of his music at audionautics.com.